coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. So it took them a lot of time to figure this out and go, look, we need to look at the mental health of soldiers as they come out. And it's the same in business, is that you've got to look at the mental health of your employees if you want them to be productive. There are loads more great insights like that one coming up from our guest today, Phil Lerny. This episode is sponsored by Human24. They have a range of expertly designed functional nutritional supplements to work with and support your own biological rhythm. They're optimizing human performance and well-being. You can check them out at hmn24.com and if you enter the code HAWORA10, that's H-A-U-O-R-A-10, you can get an exclusive discount on the range such as Rise, Adapt and Flow. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Phil Lerney, Human Performance Specialist, owner at the Advanced Coaching Academy, and co-founder of Human24. Phil is the PT coach. He worked as a strength and conditioning consultant for PhD Nutrition and has driven the Advanced Coaching Academy for over 10 years. He's a podcast that we're huge fans of, Live On Form. Now Phil is striving to change the performance nutrition landscape with Human24. Supplements and education developed to optimize everyday human performance and well-being. We take their products daily. Phil has spent the last few decades studying human behavior and the challenges and opportunities we all face each day. He's built his expertise on understanding how this impacts performance, our ability to be present, our mood, and our mindset. Today we spoke about living and working in the country and in the city and what the outdoors gives us. Phil unpacks habits, journaling and wind down routines. He explains why light exposure and movement first thing in the morning is so important to set us up for success every day. Time givers, circadian rhythm and a fantastic answer to what is high performance comes next. Phil Lerney, thanks very much for joining the two of us on the show today. How are you getting on? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Where are you based, Phil? I live in Kent. So I'm just outside, kind of just on the edge of London, should be safe. Nice access to everything. So I think nowadays, you, you, you know, that's a large part of everything. You want to be able to travel places. So we're in, a, we're in a good area for that. So yeah, quite happy. It was always seen kind of when we were in London as more of the affluent area, a nice area to be. Uh, I, I like that perception. <laughs> it's uh yeah no it's it's a nice part of the world i mean it's you know kent's massive and and where we are it's uh you know there's it's quite diverse which is cool it's you know as i say transport linked to a neat and and you know you can kind of get to the countryside which me being a country boy is quite nice to have the city and the country uh you know access to both I think when I, was, I lived in central London, it was, uh, you know, you had to travel quite a way to get a bit of greenery and a bit of, a, you know, a beyond Hyde Park and things like that, which, which is kind of cheating. It's not quite the same. I thought I was doing okay being in Hyde Park. How, <laughs> for, for us that live in cities, we're living in city centre here, how important is it and what is it about getting to nature and not necessarily that big park like the Phoenix Park or Hyde Park or Holland Park? I mean, I've always been kind of rooted in that. I mean, obviously you've got people who've, who've grown up and lived in cities their entire life and, 
you know, people talk about, you know, air quality and, and obviously there is a significant, uh, I think, you know, Hyde Park's right on the cusp of sort of Oxford Street. And I think Oxford Street at one point was gauged as the highest sort of pollution level in London. So it was one of the worst places to be. Yeah, you've got millions of people walking up and down it, probably not so much nowadays, but, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think that it, it, there's a huge benefit to it. There's, you know, there's obviously fresh air, as people put it. Uh, you've got the outdoors, you've got light exposure, you've got all of this stuff where, you know, people can move more. You know, you kind of have that tendency, I think, to want to want to move and go for walks and all that. You know, when we talk about fitness and health and, and we talk about the different types of output that we have, you know, I think growing up in a city, people, people are obsessed with the gym or, you know, uh, physical output that involves going to a place, typically an indoor place, and, and, you know, working out for an hour or whatever it might be. Whereas I think when you're in the countryside and you've got access to the, the outdoors, there's a tendency to, to get out and, in, you know, increase your need to your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And, you know, your output is typically better, I think. So I think there's huge benefits to it. Uh, you know, you've got grounding, you've got the fact that, you, you, you know, you, you're in the open air, you're in, you're in nature, you know, you're, you're at peace as well. I think there's... You know, there's a lot to be said for stress and and your environment. I always talk to people about you know keeping your your work environment tidy. You know, it's uh, your, your bedroom. You know, there's a lot of data and there's a lot of research behind people's bedrooms in the fact that if you go to bed in a cluttered or a disruptive area, you're going to have all these things going around in your head, which is you know I must tidy that up. I must do this. I must do this. I must organize this. And and as we well know, you know, sleep is a massive factor with anybody. And what we want to do is we want to take all that, all that stress and all that worry, and you almost want to disconnect from one thing into another. And sleep's one of them things you need to disconnect into. You know, people people go up to work, you know, they go up to bed and they take their their phone and their laptop and their their work stuff, and even the even the suggestion that you should read before bed. You know, the topic of what you're reading is important because you know you don't want to stimulate your brain, you don't want to start thinking excessively. You want something that's almost you know, this is where I guess sort of junk TV, junk reading sort of plays a part, you know, because you, you can wind down and switch off and, and, and turn off that narrative that's typically going through that throughout the course of the day. So, and obviously things like journaling, you know, we talk about journaling, journaling is, is all about basically dumping all the things you've got to do into a book, knowing full well they're there for the morning instead of it going bouncing around your head whilst you're trying to sleep, right? So, so I, th- I think there's huge factors and obviously you know, I've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but there, there's so much linked to the outdoors. There's so much linked to having a bit of space away from where you work perhaps, or where there's this hustle and bustle and this, this crazy pace of life, which was always a thing that put me off London when I was, when I was younger, I came down to London for a, it was actually a rugby tour and growing up in the Lake district, you know, in a tiny little village in the Lake district, it was, it was all of a sudden I'm stuck in this place where there's, you know, hundreds of, thousands of people just running around bumping into you you know everybody looks like they're rushed and i was like i don't like this you know but uh but now that's me probably 10 hours a day i'm you know i'm 100 miles an hour and and i like that but uh i also like that peace and that quiet of you know and my environment my environment's very important to me and it's very important to my family as well start that was brilliant there's so many nuggets we can touch on there but you mentioned um light exposure and I see it as an easy win. It's something that research is getting stronger for about getting some light early in the morning. And, and it bridges that gap. If you do live in cities that you can still get this easy win to help 
your sleep later on that night. Could you tell us a bit more about, I know you've dived into it with HMN24 and everything you do. Could you tell us a bit more about that light exposure early in the morning? Well, this is probably more so. I mean, you know, when we launched, we were we were just at the back end, well, maybe not the back end, kind of the midpoint, I guess, of this, you know, the lockdown, right? Where you've got all these people that, that used to get up and they get up in the morning, they'd leave the front door, they'd go and get in some public transport, you know, they might jump on the underground, they'd be in buses, whatever it might be. But the vast majority of people who were commuting, the first thing they did in, in the morning, after having the breakfast or the coffee or whatever it might be, was they went outside. They went outside, they exposed themselves to light and fresh air, you know, for a period of time. And, and people don't, they just take that for granted as something they do. Then all of a sudden we've got lockdown and then all these statistics and these figures started to bounce up in lockdown, you know, stress levels, depression, anxiety, all these things. And then you take, take into consideration all the things that were taken away from people. So kind of the social thing, you know, we, we had this massive debate about gyms, gyms closing, but gyms are a stress management tool for a lot of people. You know, pubs, pubs were, you know, you go back 30 years, pubs were a place that men particularly went and talked about their problems, you know, and all of a sudden that has been taken away. If it wasn't the pub, it might be the barbers, it might be uh, hairdressers, it might be, you know, people would have these places where they go and talk to almost complete strangers, including, you know, personal trainers, coaches, and they talk to these people who weren't in their own social circles and start to talk about their issues. So there was all these things and light was a major one is that, you know, we know all this data about light. We know that circadian rhythm, circadian rhythm is basically, it's, it's governed largely by light and darkness, is that we're the only mammals on the planet that don't coordinate our days around the sun coming up and the sun going down. We don't do that. You know, modern technology, they mentioned the light bulb, all these different things mean that we get up consistently at the same time, which is great because it keeps that circadian rhythm in sync. The problem is, is that now we're getting into September, I wake up in the morning, my normal time, it's dark. You know, a month and a half ago, it wasn't. It was bright sunshine, hopefully. <laughs> and if it wasn't bright sunshine, I'd accommodate for that. Right next to me on my desk here, I've, I've got a lux meter, which measures the amount of light. Now, if I put that up right now in my office, I'm going to hit about 900 lux. Now, my office is pretty light. It's, you know, I'd like to think it's fairly well lit. I have a big bay window right in front of me that you know, towards the latter end of the day, the sun goes down on, on my office. So in the morning, the first thing I'll do is if the sun's up, I'll take my laptop and I'll move to the back of the house where the sun is. Because that light exposure straight away, I'm starting to prep for everything within my day. So we've got serotonin, which is renowned as kind of the feel good, uh, you know, the feel good factor, you know, serotonin does all these things, it wakes us up. And then we've got melatonin, which helps us go to sleep. Now, Melatonin needs serotonin in order to, it's a precursor. So we've got to have enough serotonin, otherwise we can't produce melatonin. Hence why melatonin is a supplement that a lot of people take before bed to try and help them sleep. Where when we wake up in the morning, we expose ourselves to light. What happens is melatonin gets driven down and serotonin drives up, which is our body's, one of the many signals our body's sending to say we're awake, which is great because then productivity goes up, output goes up. All the things that we want to happen in the morning, we wake up effectively. You know, anybody that's ever woken up in a dark building and milled around in the dark, it, you know, it takes you forever yeah. to actually wake up and get going. You know, so you got people in these, in the, you know, they're going downstairs during lockdown instead of going to the office. They're not walking out the front door. They're moping into a, a, a side room. They've now adapted to be an office that's dark with a cup of coffee in hand. They're drinking a <laughs> cup of coffee and they're sitting there feeling very, very unproductive. 
you know, because they haven't prepped to start in the day, right? And, and in circadian terms, we, we talk about things called zeitgebers. So zeitgebers are what are classed as time givers. The two biggest ones are exercise and light. So, well, movement, let's say movement rather than exercise. So a lot of people were ticking both those boxes first thing in the morning, which was regulating the circadian rhythm, which was then helping them sleep. So if we don't expose ourselves as human beings to at least 10,000 looks, which again is based off the, the, the science and the evidence that we've got, for at least 30 minutes a day when we wake up, we don't produce enough serotonin to be able to produce enough melatonin to go to sleep. So straight away, that 30 minutes of light exposure in the morning or getting outdoors or however you tick that box. You know, I have, a, I have an SAD light next to me here because now when I get up in the morning, I've got no access to light. I don't... I can go to the back of the house, the front of the house. I can go outdoors. It doesn't matter. It's dark. So unless I want to re-regulate my entire rhythm, which means I don't have to just shift my own. I have to shift my three kids and I have to shift my wife's as well. I have to say to them, we're not getting up until the sun goes up, which means the kids aren't going into school. <laughs> yeah, you know, problems right. So modern life doesn't facilitate this. So I know that I need that level of exposure in the morning. Otherwise, I'm not going to wake up properly. All of a sudden, it's going to get into the winter months, and I'm going to struggle to sleep, which then creates this whole cluster of issues. I'm going to start dwelling on things during the day. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to start to take more caffeine, which again affects my sleep concurrently. So all the things I'm trying to fix it with then become this thing that actually disrupts it even more. So the simplest solution to that, I have an SAD light that's, that's on actually on a phone stand on my desk. It sits. It's like a, a tablet. It looks like an iPad. And I just turn it on in the morning. First thing I do, I sit down. I, I, you know, I go into my emails first thing in the morning, turn the lights on. So I know I'm getting that exposure. So therefore, I've ticked that one very, very important box of my day. I've started my day correctly from a light perspective, and it means that I can finish my day from a light perspective as well. And there's so many people now are talking about this, you know, bedtime. You should create, you know, we, we hear the term back cave, right? People like you know, you should put tape over your LED lights and, and all of the thing, these things are valid. But you've got people who aren't getting up in the morning and exposing themselves to light who are putting, you know, black masking tape over their LEDs in their, their bedrooms to try and help them sleep. So what we've done is we're trying to, we're taking those minute details, we're doing those minute things to try and improve something that we haven't looked at the macros because people don't understand them. You know, caffeine and adenosine, people don't understand adenosine, they don't understand what caffeine's impact is. So, so we have this culture that consumes enormous amounts of caffeine. Caffeine is an incredible supplement. Incredible. The data is phenomenal on it. You know, coffee, the data is phenomenal on it. But the problem is people don't have any strategic use of these things. They just think, I'm tired, drink some coffee. I'm tired, take some caffeine. And, and they don't understand the repercussions of doing that later on into the afternoon, which, you know, and it all ties in together. But the light things you know, huge. I mean, we need a thousand looks to just produce serotonin. We need 10,000 looks to produce enough that we're actually going to be able to produce melatonin when we go to sleep. And it's a basic, really is a simple thing. I mean, you take a light meter, anybody, any of your listeners, you know, you go into your phone and just type in, in your app store, just put in looks meter. You'll get riddled with adverts. One of the free looks meters, they work very well on your phone because typically phones have good cameras on them. So all you do is you point it in the direction that you're getting light from and press go. And it'll tell you what the looks is. And it, they're not far off. I've, I've got a proper, you know, digital meter here. And they're not a million miles off. So you're going to get a good inclination as to, 
to what that is. You know, you can just point it in front of you. Can you guys do it if you haven't got one on your phone? Check the environment you're in now and see how much light there is. You walk outside, it's daylight now, and just point it at the sky. You'll get 15, 20,000 looks easy. And it's such a simple thing, right? And it's free. People love things that increase productivity, improve your sleep, improve your well-being, all of these things, and it's free. (laughs) So the name of your podcast, is it better than ours? Probably if we saw it before we came up with ours, we'd have said, boy, that's a good one. I like that. Um, Live on form. You've already touched on probably two non-negotiables that keep you ticking and keep you productive and sane, be that exercise, you know, movement, as you said, and getting that early exposure, 30 minutes of lots of light that sets you up well, especially when you go to the back cave later on in the day. What else keeps you going? What else are the other big rocks in your day that keeps you Because you've got a lot of interesting projects always ongoing. Let's look at, let's just touch on movement because obviously that was, that was kind of brushed over very quickly. You know, movement is a, a, an incredible zeitgeber, a time giver. And again, it helps re-regulate a circadian rhythm. And we talk about jet lag in that sense, in that if, if, if you go traveling, one of the best things you can do, and, and I'll tell you someone who's world famous, who, who does it, nobody ever talks about what it is. You know, so you go into Forbes.com, you go on any of these big corporate orientated sites. If you type into Google, you know, 10 habits of productive people or successful people or whatever, you know, things that these people search, nearly every single one of them or the vast majority of them are what we class as zeitgeists. They're things that re-regulate circadian rhythm. So you look at like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, right? When he travels anywhere, the first thing he does, he goes to a gym because it re-regulates his circadian rhythm because it's a zeitgeber. It's a thing that will help re-regulate your circadian rhythm. You tie that in with light, all of a sudden you've shifted time zones and your body doesn't have a clue. So you deal with the jet lag issue immediately. This is why they tell you when you, when you fly, you should, you know, you should put your, your, your eye mask on and you should, you should go with the time zone that you're going to. So when we talk about jet lag, let me just use a, a basic example. You know, somebody who works during the week, gets up at 6.30, goes to bed at 10, whatever, and they get to the weekend. So people are like, oh, we've got this cultural thing of sleeping in, right? So I want to sleep in on a weekend. So chances are your, your body clock is circadian rhythm. You have a bunch of genes. You have your BML, BMAL1. You've got your, you know, your, uh, your period protein, which is, is these send signals to your, your brain to tell you to wake up before you actually wake up and before an alarm goes off. We've all experienced this, right? So if you get up at a consistent time for a, not very long at all, you know, a few days, your body will get you up before your alarm goes off. You guys experience that? Yeah, 100%. When you wake up a couple of minutes, it's a shock. Your body doesn't want that shock. So it goes, right, I'm going to increase all of the things that wake me up before that alarm goes off. Now, when people sleep on a weekend, provided they've been getting up at a similar time, they're actually dropping out of a decent level of sleep at that point that they would normally get up anyways. So they're lying in bed really, having really poor quality rest. That's all that's happening. Not only that, but they're also shifting their circadian rhythm which means that they're basically moving time zones. So they get out of bed at 10 instead of six. So they've shifted their, their circadian in four hours and then they stay up because obviously they can't sleep. So in an evening they stay up. So, you know, they, they can't get to sleep. They overthink things. They watch a movie, whatever. They watch nine episodes of something on Netflix and then they go to bed. And then they wake up on a Monday morning hating their job. They, they find Monday morning really difficult. They struggle to get out of bed because basically they're jet lagged. They've created a form of jet lag. 
So their circadian rhythm, their body clock, hasn't a clue what's going on. Now that's going to take two or three days to re-regulate. So by the time they get to Wednesday, they've re-regulated. They get a good day of work on Wednesday. They get a good day of work on Thursday. And then on Friday, they're ready for the weekend again. And away we go. So now all of a sudden we've got, because somebody sleeps in and stays up late on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday night, and they don't know how to re-regulate that rhythm with light and movement, is that they're, they're only having two fully productive days a week. Tops. Wow. Yeah. So now, sense. you know, so it, that disruption is massive. And unfortunately, it's a cultural thing. It's a thing that we did when we were kids. You go out partying, get up at the same time. Get up at the same time, have a nap in the day. You know, it's, it's what's called polyphasic sleep. And all we do is we, you know, you don't play catch up at the morning and night. You play catch up in the day. If you need a nap, have a nap in the day. And circadian rhythm actually gives us a window to do that. So around about eight hours after we wake, the body naturally goes into a heightened level of sleep urge. So eight hours after you wake, go and have a nap. You know, even some of the big blue chip companies, you know, uh, and, and, you know, the likes of Google, Facebook, they all permit their employees to actually go and have a nap at that point. They have dream rooms. They have, they have these sleep pods that you can actually go in and have a nap for 30 minutes because they know it increases productivity. And that's just a normal normal sort of rhythmical occurrence. So we're, so movement, movement is a zygobert. It helps us re-regulate that. So if, if everything's out of sync, one of the best things you do, go and move, do 30 minutes of reasonably intense exercise, go back to your desk, and trust me, you will be productive. You know, you will be high, functioning way higher. You won't be tired and you'll sleep better and you'll also be healthier and your wellness markers will go up and you'll, you know, you'll improve all of this stuff. So we're just a... We're a, we're a society of patching up issues and people always want these quick fixes and, and all of these quick fixes to some degree they work. You know, it's like people take sleeping tablets, people take stuff for productivity all the time, you know, caffeine in bucket loads, you know, caffeine's half-life is, is around about eight hours. So, well, it's six to eight, depending on who you are. And there's, there's loads of things that influence that, you know, for example, if, if someone's pregnant, you're taking caffeine, it doubles the half-life. Basically, if you're pregnant, don't consume caffeine because it will disrupt your sleep categorically because you've got that 16 hour half-life on it. So there's loads of factors that will influence the half-life of caffeine. That's another non-negotiable because for us, the vast majority of the population consume it. The vast majority of the population overconsume it and the vast majority of the population miss time use of it. And when it's an incredible supplement and it has its usage, we want people to be using it correctly rather than, not using it at all. So now what we've got is we've got this massive trend right now to stop caffeine. You know, you've got to omit it completely. You've got to ban it. And we're with this society of extremes. People are like, you know, people eat too much. You know, a lot of people eat too much. So what they do is they they eat minuscule amounts for a period of time and then they go back to eating too much. Instead of just going, right, hold on, what if I just reduce this slightly and increase movement slightly? Brilliant. You know, <laughs> logical, but people want extremes. They want to see things fast. So you know, and that causes problems, right? Definitely. You're, you're after touching on something there that I'd love to dive into decision-making and productivity. So we often use caffeine and it's a sort of a social joke, even that, you know, we have to get our coffee into us. Oh, I made a mistake or I did something wrong. Oh, well, wait till I get my coffee into me and then I'll make better decisions. What do you do behaviorally? So is there any habits, anything, actions that you do in your day that allow you to make better decisions across the full window of the time you're awake? Uh, the, there's several things I need to be aware of, most definitely. Uh, I mean, they've do, they did 
an interesting study is there. There's a, there's a great book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. He talks about talks about this in in that that particular book. Cal Newport's an interesting chap. He he, he disconnects himself completely from social media and, and various other bits and pieces. And he, he talks about uh, you know Freud and all these psychologists of the time. And he talks about Bill Gates going off to this cabin that he goes and spends time at. And there's all these things about deep work, which is your inability to switch off and just focus purely on one task. So when we're looking at productivity, the problem a lot of people have is they're, they're, they're multitasking all the time. They're bouncing from one thing to another because they don't have a clear idea of what they're trying to achieve in a, in a set period of time. So people get up and they, they, you know, if you go to work, you're told what to do. If you work for yourself, you've got to figure out what you've got to do and what's most beneficial to you as a business and what's most beneficial for you, for your output. It's no, no different to dealing with athletes. So, so when I used to deal with an athlete, I needed to look at what the, what are the good things they're doing, bad things they're doing, how do I make all that better? You know, fundamentally, that's what you're trying to do. So when we look at productivity, we've got to realize that output, and again, this, you know, I'll go back on the studies, they, they looked at composers who were people that basically trained themselves to be able to go into this deep work, this, this focus and this flow state that we talk about, go into this flow state for a period of time, in which they can, they can uh, their output is, is very high level. And you can imagine composing, right? Composing is a massively cognitive task, right? You, it's just hugely complex. You look it's at one of my hobbies, Phil. Composing. <laughs> I just do it in my spare time. I yeah. do the concertos. Um, so it's you know it, it's a massive thing. So what they did is they said, look, the, the maximum these people can do is about two hours. So you know you can only produce this output of work for a two-hour window. And these are people that are highly trained at this. These are people that have spent their life f- focusing in doing that and train themselves up to a certain level. So it's a bit like exercise, right? If you're not trained to do it, you're not going to be able to do it for very long. So if we look at the average person, an average person, maybe 60 minutes is the longest they can focus on a singular task. And that's challenging. So when we look at work, what, what happens is people, people take a task because they don't focus and zone in on, they're distracted, right? We live in a distracted world. People are flipping from social media, this, that, the other. They, you know, they, they can't sit down on their computer for an hour without looking at their, their phone. You look in any debt, any office, you know, you could put a camera up in an office. You will see the vast majority of people can't spend an hour on a task without picking up their phone and distracting themselves. So it's this non-distraction. And again, you know, we touched on this before we jumped on the podcast, just talking about flow, right? Is that, that flow is this state where you are just completely focused and zoned in on one particular task or thing. So it's about breaking somebody's day up into these things, right? And these micro achievements. You know, we talk about achieving things in life and I always look at my industry, you know, the health and fitness sector. You look at the health and fitness sector and people come to you and they say, I want to lose weight or I want to lift such and such. Every day they go in the gym, they fail because they haven't hit that macro target that they've got. Every day that person looking to lose weight, they want to lose two stone. Every day they haven't lost two stone, they're losing. They're demotivated. So it's about micromanaging goals. It's about micromanaging achievements. It's about making sure that anybody that is, is going from A to B, they understand what the small steps are during that process. It's like business. You know, what are the major things that you need to, you know, I go by tick charts. I have, I have a tick box. I have a list on almost essentially a diary that I use. And I make a list of things like a journal. And, and I put tick boxes next to them all. And I give myself 60 to 90 minutes on every task. If I haven't completed in that 60 to 90 minutes, it carries over either to the next day or the next window I've got. In between that 60 to 90 minutes, I'll do something which distracts my brain from that particular thought process. 
So if it's something I've been doing that's very analytical, I'll step away and I'll do something very creative for 15 minutes. Or I'll do something like, you know, if 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 the little one's off school, you know, she goes into school presently, you know, three days a week. If it's one of the days she's off school, I might open the office door and I might go through and play some games with my daughter for 15 minutes. Something that attracts a different output from my brain. I don't want to be stuck in this analytical state all the time. I don't want to be stuck in this creative state all the time. And this is where we've got to kind of get this balance of what the brain's doing all the time. So, so for me, it's about it's time blocking. It's taking periods of time and going like, I'm going to be productive in that, uh, that period. And also accepting the things that we touched on before, which is that my circadian rhythm is going to make me tired in the afternoon. I know that between the hours of one and three, my productivity is going to drop massively. You know, there's going to be a period there where my sleep urge, and if we look at sleep urge and you look at all the graphs and the charts around sleep urge, I get a heightened sleep urge in that window. So I've got to try and combat that. And again, you know, this is one of the things we addressed with Human 24. And we looked at, you know, how do most people combat it? They normally take loads of caffeine. Problem is with taking loads of caffeine at that period of the day is it's still going to be circulating your system later on in the day. And again, just very briefly sort of touch on caffeine. Caffeine blocks adenosine. Now, adenosine is, is the thing that increases sleep urge. So we, we stockpile adenosine throughout the course of the day from the, the moment we wake up, body starts producing it. When we get enough of it, it sends us to sleep. Caffeine blocks it doesn't stop it it doesn't dissolve it. it it's still it's still there so when you take your caffeine in the morning you blocked your body letting adenosine get to the receptor in your brain that tells you to, to increase your sleep urge so when we do that it stockpiles so when the first hit of caffeine wears off we're going to get a heightened sleep urge normally because the half-life of caffeine is eight hours it falls in that exact same circadian window that we get this heightened sleep urge anyways biologically so we've got a double whammy right We've got the heightened sleep urge coming from the caffeine wearing off, and we've got the heightened sleep urge that biologically happens anyways. So between one and three, what do people do? They get on social media, they do stuff that's meaningless, non-productive. And during that window, if you've got an opportunity in a, in a workplace, and I know you guys deal with a lot of big sort of corporates and things like this, is that if you're in a workplace, do all your analytical stuff in the in the morning, because that's the time we know that you're most focused. Put it into blocks, and then in the afternoon, do the stuff that involves other human beings. So if you're going to go into meetings, do the stuff that interacts, do the stuff that means that your brain is going to be occupied outside of your own personal space. People would map out meetings. And you see this in, in a lot of the big corporates that understand these things. They put all the meetings in the afternoon. You don't do meetings in the morning because what you're doing is you're wasting a window of personal productivity there. We move all the meetings to the afternoon because the personal productivity goes down in the afternoon, but the conjoined and the group dynamic can actually alleviate that. So we looked at that window and we thought, right, how can we support that? And obviously we have our product flow that it's caffeine free, which always throws people. People are like, why don't you put caffeine in it? It'll do what people want. I said, it's not about doing what people want. It's doing about what people need. And at that point, the last thing they need is caffeine. Because again, going off what I told you before, we blocked the denosine up to one o'clock, let's say. We've now blocked the denosine again. And when that denosine wears off is when you get home to your family and your kids. And at that point, you've got... 16 hours worth of sleep urge just about to hit your receptors in your brain. So when you get home six, seven o'clock in the evening, what kind of mood do you think you're in? Mm. Non-conducive with good relationships, right? Your, your sleep urge is massively overwhelming. You want to go to sleep. Basically, as soon as you get home, you want to go to sleep. And a lot of people do. They get home and they, they nap and then they can't sleep later on in the evening. Or they're trying to go to the gym. Can't go to the gym. Sleep urge is heightened can't go to the gym because you just took a second dose of caffeine about one o'clock to alleviate your tiredness in the afternoon. Now you don't want to go to the gym, so you don't get your movement, so you don't get your zeitgeber. You've just missed one of the keys, which is movement and light. 
So, so we get this concurrent knock-on effect of all these things that get disrupted and get out of sync. Now, if you've got your exercise in the morning, great. I mean, when you talk to people who do exercise in the morning, you'll say, look, if I don't do it in the morning, I don't do it. That makes sense because they're going to be tired in the afternoon and the afternoon window for a lot of people, especially when they were in offices, was difficult because you had an hour. You've got to get showered, changed, blah, blah, blah. So you had all those factors. You know, I actually dealt with, uh, I dealt with a business over, just on a side note, I dealt with a business over in Ireland, a big, uh, big gym business. And their, their facility was on an industrial park and all of the places around them were big companies, big, big companies. And the owner got really excited about showing me the gym. He was like, oh, look, we've got this, we've got this. I said, show me the changing rooms. So he took me to the changing rooms and I said, you've got no showers. So you've got one shower in each changing room. I said, you're on a corporate business park. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but we haven't got space for, I said, but you've got space for, you know, an extra two leg presses. <laughs> I, said, I said, the problem you've got here is that people won't come because people can't go back to work. And you want people to come to your gym and work hard, right? Which means they're probably going to sweat, which means they need to shower and get back to work in a very, very tight window. So if you've got one shower, I'm not going to join your gym. There were no chance. Factors like that that people don't consider. So, so you know, and, and again, very much a side note, but, you know, that, that window in the afternoon is very short for a lot of people. And the window after work is, you know, they want to go to, you know, ease the burden and the stress of their working day by going to the gym and playing all that out. Now, there's nothing worse, you know, and you guys will know, right? There's nothing worse than, feeling that you need to go and do some exercise, but it, you actually don't want to. This is what people are doing and they're, they're beating themselves up in their heads going, I want to go to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. No, I don't. Maybe I'll pass tonight. I'm not sure. Then I feel guilty. And, and, and you just end up in this real mess, right? And again, we can point all this back to habitual behaviors, things that they've been doing, you know, a poorly structured lunch because they were tired. You know, if you're tired, what kind of food are you going to go for? Bad foods. So, so we know that, that that window at lunchtime is a real opportune window to increase productivity and you know, obviously we've got the support of flow that we've put in there, which is again, based around eutropics and adaptogens because we don't want to stimulate caffeine. And then we look at that window. So it's important for us, you know, and we see a large part of wellness and health is being able to interact with other human beings without being in a stinking mood, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so, so that's part of it. And obviously sleep. When we developed the range, we thought we've got to consider sleep from the get-go. We can't have something that patches a hole. We could have quite easily done that. You know, we could bring out a hugely caffeinated product, which most brands do, and just say, take this every time you're feeling a bit unproductive. But then we're not really serving a purpose here. We're just patching up a problem, which is great. You know, if you just, all you want to do is just sell stuff to people, patch up a problem. You know, and people keep patching it up. You know, it's a bit like medicine, right? Is that most medicines are designed to temporarily alleviate something or fix something, but people are on them for their entire life. You know, mm -hmm. so it doesn't, doesn't do the job you want it to do, right? Anyways, sorry, rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> How can you bring someone along for the ride? We've touched on flow. You're obviously a coach of coaches. We, you know, we've looked at your profile and you talk a lot about empathy and communication and open dialogue to facilitate teamship and connection. And say you're firing on all cylinders and you have your light and you've got your 30 minute window in the morning, but you're part of an organization, you're part of a small team. And how can you get everyone else to really understand to bring everyone else on board because it, it's all well and good if it's just you but we want we want the whole team firing uh, yeah this is the this is the challenge and again i'll, I'll use a, a story when i used to deal with a client i had a client who was very she was manipulated by people around her very very easily she was actually the, the, one of the biggest challenges i had with respect to that she would she would have more concern for the people surrounding her so if she went out for lunch with with friends she would want to eat what they ate to make them feel comfortable 
sacrifice whatever her process was to 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 make other people feel comfortable you know it's a bit like when you go out and you're the only person that isn't drinking everybody for tries to force you to drink to make themselves feel comfortable you know so so th- there's all those things and the problem you've got in those kind of corporate worlds is that you've you've kind of got to stand your own ground and that's when it starts to become a challenge and the reason I, I mentioned that story before is that the way that i fixed that is i went in and did a i did a corporate seminar to her workplace because then all the people around her, instead of almost teasing her about the stuff they didn't understand, they understood it. So they actually got right behind her. So the easiest way for me to, to fix that problem was to actually go into all the work colleagues and go, right, I'm going to educate all of you lot. So a lot of it is education, which is very difficult for somebody who, somebody who gets it themselves but doesn't know how to educate about it, which is why we do what we do and why you do what you do, right? Is that we're trying to take things that are, are fairly obvious in many sense and take them to larger worlds and worlds that really demand them and need them. You know, we do, we do a lot of work with the military. We do a lot of work with, you know, corporates, big, you know, people who are looking at productivity. And these are things that there's big companies that have been doing them for years. I mean, I used to do corporate wellness seminars way back. I mean, mid nineties, I was doing corporate wellness seminars. And a lot of the data that we used to pull was the stuff from Japan where they used to, in the morning, the first thing these big corporates would do, they'd all go up onto the roof of these massive skyscrapers, expose all their employees to light, and they used to make them exercise. Do you remember that? They, they still do it to this day, and a lot of them. You know, obviously, and I would imagine some of those skyscrapers are high enough that you're actually getting decent quality. Yeah, but <laughs> Getting pretty light, I'd say, and plenty of air. Yeah, so, so what they'd do is they'd take all their, the, the, the people that work there and they'd force those people to exercise. First thing they did was expose them to light and make them exercise. And they knew that that increased productivity, but a lot of the time stuff like that doesn't carry over because, because, you know, somebody comes in, the company gets sold or whatever it might be. And they go, hold on, why are we wasting our employees time by making them exercise for 30 minutes when they could be getting their head down for 30 minutes and working more for us. And, and that's a, it's almost like an ignorance or a, a, a misunderstanding of how that corporate world works. You know, you'd be better off for, if you've got an employee that you're trying to just hammer into the ground. And you don't you want their productivity over over time to go down, their mental health to go down. And obviously mental health has played a big role here because now people are and corporates are going, hold on, we need to look at mental health. You know, it's something that the military have done. The military, you know, ten years ago, they didn't care about mental health. But a lot of these, a lot of these traumatic, you know, we talk about PTSD. PTSD can take about eight years to to reach the surface. So you can have someone that's left the military and doesn't get any mental problems for about eight years after they've left. At that point, the military organization they were involved with, they've lost complete contact with them. So it took them a lot of time to figure this out and go, look, we need to look at the mental health of soldiers as they come out. And it's the same in business, is that you've got to look at the mental health of your employees if you want them to be productive. You've got to support that. So it's, it's a tricky one, really, David. It's, it, if you're that only person that's embracing that, the hope is that people see your productivity go up and see it's a bit like, you know, they're talking, the, the, the hot topic at the moment is Ronaldo, right? At Manchester United. Sure is. And they're saying about how all the other players have changed their eating habits because of they're all copying what Ronaldo did. That's kind of what you want, isn't it? You want a Ronaldo. You want somebody who's, who's clearly done all these really important things and paid attention to detail personally for so long that they now are reaping the benefits of it. I mean, he's a guy that theoretically is pretty close to the age that you would be retiring and he's potentially at the top of his game. So people look at him going, hold on, is he an anomaly? Yeah, he probably is an anomaly to some degree, but he knows that if in order for him to support that, that fact he is a super talented person, 
he needs to still do the staples right. And this goes back to sport, and you know, I always go back on Johnny Wilkinson as a prime example. Talented, yes, you know, without a doubt, but he practiced more than anybody else. You know, when other people left the field, he stood there and he practiced kicking. Even after he'd signed his contract and was making money, he carried on doing the things that he'd done throughout his entire career to get him to where he was getting to. And it's, you know, it's fascinating. I mean, it's quite an interesting conversation. He does a thing with Bear Grylls, which is interesting. You know, the psychology behind him and, you know, how he approached things is phenomenal. People will always go, oh, they're anomalies. You know, they're people who work their asses off. And, And that's what we want in the corporate world, right? We want somebody who owns a business. I want 10 employees who love what they do, get up on a Monday morning with this zest and vigor that they want to go and work hard for my business. And I want them to be rewarded for it. And I want them to be able to have a good family life. And I want them to have all these things, you know, that, that culminate in, we all call wellness, right? You know, wellness to, to people, I think now is a wellness over the last few years. When people mention wellness, they're like not being sick. Like what a warped way of looking at it, right? When wellness means to the majority of people, not being sick. Right? So to me, wellness is you are, you are good and you're great your performance, your output, your mental health, your physical health, your your cognitive output, your physical output, they're all primed and they're all great. And concurrently, you feel great about yourself. You feel productive. You feel like you're achieving things. And all of these things that, you know, in many cases aren't measurable, but they're phenomenal things for human beings to experience, right? Definitely. And in order to get people there to being that eudaimonia, that wellness, more so than looking at not being ill, you give a lot of education and even with human 24 years are building a community building that knowledge basis for everyone to get better not just by buying the products by also engaging with you engaging with the teachers the lessons that are available if twitter came to you tomorrow and said we're closing down we're doing one more tweet and phil you're the man to send out the last tweet you've given so much knowledge over on, on your twitter feed so far what would be the one tweet you'd want to send out that everybody in the world would read Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to be a cop-out here, aren't I? <laughs> I hope not. I I'm hope going not. to be an absolute cop-out because <laughs> the problem is, is that there's so many messages that I think would resonate with people. And I think there's so many things that I wouldn't know how to phrase it. I would have to, it would be something I would have to, you know, it's a bit like a mission statement that a business has. You, you dwell over it for years and years and years and it's still not quite what, it, what you want it to be. It would need to be of that magnitude. It would be something where I'm like, look, what is the best over overarching message that I can get into? What's Twitter? 280 characters? That I can, yeah. get, that I can get into 280 characters. Well, what we'll do is we'll let you dwell on it. When you're sending it out, tag us, and that'll uh, be the tweet, and Twitter will shut down then. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I use, I use Twitter to put stuff out like that, you know, just, just little things that are sound bites. And we live in this sound bite world out don't we? And, and the problem is a lot of sound bites are completely useless because they need context. They need, they need expanded on, right? Otherwise people just don't get them. You know, Twitter, Twitter's the cancel culture medium, isn't it? Because you mentioned things out of context, right? The amount of people that have been pulled on it and they've, they've said something out of context and they don't get opportunity to, to explain about it. So I don't know. That's a real challenging one. Do you ask all your guests that? We were just like, we have one more question. He went, no, I have to, I have to ask him this question. Have to ask, him, ask him that question. Go on, because we, we have been admiring your feed. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. And there's so, many fields that, there's so many fields that I want to help people in. 
because you know, to me, the, everything all amalgamates into one sort of thing. I think physical health, mental health, you know, satisfaction of your world is a massive thing, right? You know, you've got to be satisfied in your relationships. You've got to be satisfied in your work. You've got to be satisfied in your, you know, your your wealth. And and it, is that where you want it to be to give you the life that you want? And 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 I think a lot of that is you know enabling and facilitating people the quality of life that they desire. And I talk, I, I use the term quality of life a lot because it's you know that's ultimately you know all the time through my career as a coach. The majority, with the exception of professional athletes, because that's, you know, the, the, the certain trade-offs you make there, but the vast majority of people that I ever dealt with, it was all about quality of life. It was all about, you know, them feeling better about themselves and them being more productive and, you know, all these different things. But ultimately, they all went under this big umbrella of quality of life. And you know, that's a really important thing to me and really important thing to, to, to the people around me. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's kind of what we the overarching effect of all these things is his quality of life. Yeah. We'll have to see how satisfied Jack Dorsey is now when I tell him Phil needs more time for the tweet. Oh, I, I tell you, he messaged me last week and he said, he said, Phil, you need to get this tweet out. He goes, I want to wrap everything up. I want to, I want to exit. I want out. Uh, and I said, look, Jack, I said, you, you're going to need to give me a bit of time yeah, on this fella. Just relax. Week, fella. Relax, Jack. Just, just, just chill, chill. Back in the box, Jack. Do something. Keep yourself busy. A human performance specialist who has, taught us truckloads this morning and in fact we're jumping on a call in 20 minutes and we are going outside for light and going to do a little bit of a mobility for 15 no jokes aside for real um last question for you phil what does high performance mean to you high performance again i'm going to be a cop out here <laughs> high performance high performance always requires context you know what high performance is to one person is very different to what it is to the other but high performance to me is taking the, the the marker or the metric that somebody's currently at and making it significantly better. And we're talking, you know, performance have, has to be an, a larger conversation because performance is, when people talk about performance, they instantly think sport. They think instantly think metrics and they think, you know, uh, performance is about sport. Performance isn't about sport. Performance is about life. And it's about, you know, have you got good sleep performance? Have you got good, you know, productivity performance? Have you got good business performance? Have you got good, you know, relationship performance? And to me, that that's all those things. And, and I think when we, we've had this discussion internally about performance, because obviously we use the, the term performance a lot in our narrative. And we've had this discussion, what is performance to me? What is it to somebody else? What is it to the next person? But ultimately it comes down to, you know, being better in whatever guise that may take, you know, whether it's mental, physical, et cetera, et cetera. And, and again, I, I, I hate to be a bit of a cop out, but I don't have a definitive answer to what is high performance to you because it's, to me, it's different to you. It's different, you know, to everybody, it's different. Therein lies the perfect answer, Phil. So <laughs> depends, yeah, depends, depends. Is normally the perfect answer. You just depends. De depends context. Depends. <laughs> Phil Ernie, thanks very much for your, your time. Really grateful. We, we learned a lot. And uh, look, this is just the start of our relationship. So thanks very much, Phil, for your time. Yeah, all the best. Very welcome. Take care now. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. 
please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan. <laughs>